When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Dragon Cast, home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens, and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the highly anticipated return to Westeros. Hello and welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. I'm your host and maester of ceremonies, Jamie East, and joining me this week for our regular roundup of all things hot DR, as always, journalist, writer, and the adorable sock puppet on the hand of the king, Chris Mandel. How's it going, Chris? <laughs> I'm good, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and this week's special guest is a Game of Thrones fanatic, a history of war enthusiast, TV presenter and comedy legend to boot. It's the governor himself, it's Mr Al Murray. Al, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. I'm desperate to talk to people about this whole show. Yeah, thing. so how, how, have you found, how have you found the series? Obviously you're a long-time friend of Thronecast, you've been on a few times, we've spoken loads oh. about it. Well, I'm finding it so intense, I have to sort of watch it in 20-minute chunks and then <laughs> kind of cool, and cool off. <laughs> Certainly not, not this episode, the episode before, I actually had to do that because I was yeah. finding the sort of the machinations and the you know manifestations of the plot and the scenes in, the, in episode eight, you know, the, the king revealing his illness to its full extent... Damon bringing summary justice uh, with his righteous sword and all that sort of stuff. All of that, the sheer high drama of it. And I have, well, I had to watch that one in 20 minute nuggets because it was just too much. Just a bit too stressful. Too, yeah. Yeah, it's too stressful, too, too full of tension. Uh, but then, of course, the, the, the endless problem, with, and it always was, it was always Game of Thrones problem, but there's clearly a thing they've decided to address in this is how did you top last week? And so. <laughs> yeah, quite an interesting, quite an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I think we were talking about it just before we hit record is that you know episode 9 is traditionally in, in yeah. Thrones Landers but you know we've had Ned's death we've had the Red Wedding the Battle of Blackwater yeah. Yeah. the Long yeah. no- you know all of those all of those kind of ones so I think they've purposely tried to break that mould because otherwise I mean you're yes. just setting yourself up for such a massive kind of like pre- you know you're not doing yourselves any favours by continually doing that are you really? No those episodes always were here the plot goes changes you know here comes the next striation of the plot the next major layer of the lasagna and this has that this is that this is that 
Yeah. Um, because the, the king has died and it's the consequences of it. I mean, and I think I think the way it's all handled is, I, think it's, I mean, I, you know, you know me, Jamie, I'm an absolute sucker for this universe and this, this show and the way it's, the way it's put together and the, 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 the way it portrays power. It directly injects it into me. It's just too good. It's too exciting. Yeah, it is. Right, before we get stuck into to, to episode nine, uh, just want to say, uh, here's your weekly reminder. If you're enjoying the podcast, do like, subscribe, comment and share with your mates who might be interested. It really does make a massive difference. And one day the gods will reward you for it. And I'm really sorry I haven't had time to reply <laughs> to everybody that's been in touch this week. We had such a phenomenal response uh, to our Paddy interview last week. Literally, I've, oh, I've, wow. I've, I've got, I think about a thousand emails that I, that I haven't replied to. Answer, answer very quick questions. No, I can't ask Paddy that. B, I, <laughs> I think he's pretty much done. He did an Instagram post soon after that where he thanked people for their comments and kind words about it. And then I think he ended that by saying, now, no more. So I think there might be a little bit of the Sean Bean about it where it's just like, guys, Ned's dead. Viserys is dead. Let's move on. Yeah. But I will, of course, get in touch with you. And next week for our final House of the Dragon season one episode, uh, just to give you a heads up, we've got some great giveaways, actually. Harper Collins have been in touch. And to my left on the floor, I've got a plethora of George R. R. Martin, Dragons, Thrones uh, goodies to give away next week. So do stick around and come back next week and find out how to win that. Right, right. Let's get on to uh, episode nine, The Green Council. Now, hands up. For the first couple of minutes where the piano music was playing and the, <laughs> the, the king was dead and there was the whispering along the corridors and great moment where Alison kind of genuine heartfelt uh, tears from Alison, I thought. Was anyone else thinking, was this what it was like in Balmoral a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> I know, I, I know it's a bit, it's a, but I, gen, it, I was genuinely interested because, you know, you know, kind of crossing over into the real world when... We now we now know that that Queen Elizabeth the uh, second died at half past twelve in the afternoon, and yet mm. when we were all watching it unfold on the news, you know they were kind of keeping it going and obviously not announcing it. I don't think yeah. it was announced till four o'clock. We saw Harry, Andrew, and William all getting in the. They all knew at that time that they were. You know, yeah. I just found it all fascinating that, that that that's clearly how it works, and and the machine kind of literally starts kicking into action from the second uh, that, that, that the monarch uh, takes their final breath. I wonder if they recut it. I wonder if they shot a little bit extra. I wonder if, you know, with events having... Because after all the, you know, the, I mean, uh, surely not, but maybe they did because cause that sort of lingering thing, you could have easily started with, what do you mean he's dead? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Alison being told straight from there. But to have the kind of, that kind of... I mean, they're very good at delayed gratification on this show, anyway. So yeah, there was yeah. a there was a bit of that going on. But um, yes, it, it it does make you wonder, does, and and also just the entire sort of vacuum of the whole episode, the whole episode, the vacuum, trying to trace the air. You know, where is he? You know, yeah. all this sort of stuff. He's not stuck on the um, M fifty six, is he? In, no, <laughs> in his chauffeur-driven Range Rover. I wanted to talk about that really. That that was because that was the main kind of plot point throughout, throughout yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. Chris, what was your take on that? Was that so? What I took from that was that you had Otto and Alison, whose relationship is now kind of like gone in very weird way, which we'll talk about in a bit. So, yeah. am I right in thinking the pair of them? Both wanted to find Aegon first so that they could mould him into the... So they could they could take the first stab at moulding him into the king that they want him to yeah. be. Is that what you took, Chris? Yeah. Otto said, look, we need to we need to kill Rhaenyra, Damon, anyone on Team Black. Alison said, I think we should just send letters 
and try and get them to bend the knee. And so I suppose really, because we don't really know Aegon that well at this point, it's really about which one of them can influence him, which one of them can shape him in their image, right? This is the next king. Is he going to be like murderous, violent? Is he going to be peaceful? And so most of it was this sort of cat and mouse pursuit. Confusingly, each of Otto and Alison also has one of the identical twins, which I just made made it so much more confusing for me. Why doesn't one of them have like a massive beard or why doesn't one of them have a silly hat to help (laughs) us differentiate between them? Because they're called Eric and Derek and Eric. Oh, Eric. I thought it was Derek. Eric and Eric. And and it's honestly like, so could you not have, could not one of them have a big, a big sort of pair of glasses on? So yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, that was the idea, I think, right? That like, like we've got to find him and sort of shape him. But actually, I mean, he is like a sort of late teens, right? Like he's probably already lost to uh, to the source in a way. <laughs> sort of like, yeah, there was very, mu- very much a whiff of, uh, you know, comparatively, uh, maybe one of the princes in, in real world that may not may not be uh, yeah. be, be perfectly... Uh, or, or it's Prince Shakespeare in Prince Hal, isn't it? Is that he's been out you know that that's the old that's the old archetype isn't it that the, it's a wastrel prince and then the seriousness of being king turns him around and all that sort of stuff that's the that's yeah. the shakespearean idea isn't it yeah and we did see that didn't we there was there was that kind of you know he he was very much reluctant he was quite happy just uh knobbing his way or getting yep. it wet through flea bottom such a such yep. a Strangely naff name for a town in 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 Westeros. Like yeah. you've got all these amazing names, and then all of a sudden, flea bottoms there. Um, but then there was the moment. There was a great ceremonial bit uh, at his coronation, which again we'll talk about in a bit. Where, but mm. he did get a taste for it. I got a sense. Mm. He kind of like actually, this is pretty cool. If I just raise my sword, oh, they cheer. I'll go again. Yeah. Hey, hey! It was proper yeah. Rob, Robbie Williams singing angels, wasn't it? At Glastonbury, he's like, hey. You know. <laughs> And this is a guy, though, that, like, he doesn't think his dad ever loved him. He doesn't think his mum likes him. He doesn't think anyone, his brother doesn't seem to like him. So when you've got, like, tens of thousands of people cheering, you suddenly go, oh, yeah, like, maybe I am born for this. Maybe I can do this, like, after all. But I think he is a bit lost because if you've already developed a taste for watching pointy-teeth children tear chunks off each other, then I do think they've both sort of failed as guardians in that respect. (laughs) 100%. Right, I'll tell, tell you what, let's, let's rewind because we're, we're, we're skipping out a yes, little bit. we've got ahead so, of ourselves, haven't we? Let's go back to the small council because, you know, quite a number of things happened within that conversation. Well, well, before, before, even, that, before even that, Jamie, what has, what has compelled Alison to do this, to lie? Is it because at the, end, at the end of the last lying. episode... Well, she, well, well, she is really, because the king was confused, wasn't he, at the end of the last episode? But she has no idea about that conversation that he no. had had with, with Rhaenyra. She's not been privy because it's only been passed along from king to heir or yeah. queen to heir yeah. about mm-hmm. Aegon the Conqueror's dream about the night, night king and the winter that's coming and all yeah. of the rest of it and the, the prince that was promised. So as far as she thinks and as far as anybody knows she genuinely believes that to be true and i was questioning the same thing but there was a moment where she was talking to and and actually the way that alison was throughout this episode she was really reluctant with this knowledge i I got the sense that she was genuinely felt compelled to carry out i mean obviously it suits her a lot better than rainera being queen yeah yeah but there was moment you know there was bits where she kind of regretfully kind of had to instigate it. There was the bit where she was talking to Otto. There was a bit again in the small council. I didn't really get a sense that she was bullshitting. 
Is it because she feels she might be betraying the princess? You know that that I don't know. I just I could I couldn't I couldn't quite tell really what her emotions were in it. And you also sort of think yeah. if he lived if because because also this also means the line of the the line of the air being told about the song of fire and ice has been broken because she's not going to know what that is to relay to the to the new king, is she? She doesn't know no. what he, what he was even talking about. So. She's no, that's so, true. So does yeah. that mean that's been severed? And only the that's tr- a good question. And only the true heir really no- has had that knowledge imparted to them by their. By Chris, their- do you know? Is that is this is this is this a book thing, Chris? Do we know? Uh, not quite sure about that. Okay, what I, all right. Because I, I think we I think we established that like this thing about him foreseeing the song of ice and fire has yeah. been put in the show. I yeah. think I, to just provide uh, a bit of connective tissue. Rhaenyra still knows. She knows. She was told. Yeah. And they yeah. held the blade over the fire and there was like high Valyrian written into it. I don't know if Alison knows about that little trick about that dagger that if you, you get a yeah. hidden message the, in ca- it. The cat's paw but, dagger, yeah. yeah. But she does, Alison does sincerely believe she was told it's you, it's Egon's dream. And she's like, okay, well, there's only, it doesn't matter how many Egons there are, like he must be referring to my son. Yeah. But I thought what was really clever was when her and Otto talk at the very start of the episode, she's literally like, thinks she's dropping like the biggest plot twist where she's like, I have this crazy idea. It's Egon. And Otto's like, yeah, we were right. going to do that anyway. <laughs> but that's what, that's what I meant about yeah. Like, yeah. L- London Bridge has fallen. It felt yeah, very much yeah. like right London Bridge has fallen. It's like right, yeah. put into action. Yeah. The miles being closed. The, yeah. you know, the flags. You know yeah, that was yeah. that was. I thought that was a really good, really good Otto moment. His his best yeah. moment by far. Yeah. Where as I think as as all hands of king and chief of staffs usually are in programs like this all of a sudden they're prepared for any any eventuality it just so happens that this eventuality uh, serves house hightower very well indeed yeah, yeah yeah but i wasn't surprised to know that they kind of planned for Aegon to be to be king what what did surprise me was that there was also a separate side mission to kill rhaenyra and daemon mm. that that to me was like fucking hell okay yeah. this is pretty this is pretty major and even to include your man lannister in in the plans who seems mm. like I'm, i wouldn't trust him with anything he mm. he does not strike me as the, as the as the most uh secretive of people but that small council meeting i thought was brilliant oh, um yeah. a brilliant death yeah. Uh, there, just smashed, head smashed straight into the snooker <clears throat> ball or the testicle, as Reesiffens calls the onset. <laughs> He's like, why are we holding these testicles? Um, That's the thing. We've talked about how useless that those snooker balls are. Yeah. It sort of finally came into its own because if it hadn't been there, Lord Beesbury might not have had his eyeball smashed in. You know, if it'd just been slight to the left or if they hadn't used them at all. Yeah, it was great. I love Bill Patson so much and the sound of his voice. That de- that death cut deep mm. for me. You know, if they're going to off anyone in the yeah. penultimate episode of a series of... House of Dragon. Not, not Bill Patterson. I just, you know, show some mercy. I know this is a bleak show yeah. that takes no prisoners, but just, you know, spare us. Uh, an he old spoke school. sense. He was, you <laughs> yeah. know, he was the only one in that room speaking sense, wasn't he? Yeah. Regicide, treachery. Yeah. yeah it, was all, it was all coming out. Yeah. It was all coming out. And then we moved on to, I guess, the other major plot point was, was the... Um, and this this shows how well prepared Otto and the gang were. Yeah. Is because Rainey's bedroom was locked instantly, almost before 
almost before the small council was being held. Mm. Now, Chris, do you want to talk us through that a bit? Do you know, have you had to think about why that was? Was that because, am I right in thinking that they then also hid her dragon? Yeah, well, they sort of like chained, not, I don't know, chained the dragon, but the dragon's in the dragon pit. That's where they sort of put them when they land. Yeah. Uh, And they locked her straight away. I mean, Otto said, look, close the doors, like we're not going to remove Lord Beesbury or whatever until we've sorted this so everyone yeah. who was potentially loyal even the handmaidens and the you know maids and stuff were all put in the prisons and obviously Rhaenys who is related to Rhaenyra they locked her in what I thought was funny was when she opened the window to look at all the crowds and I thought you can get out of there like yeah. first of all because you've got like Rapunzel hair anyway right yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think just neutralising the threats until they could go to her and sort of broker a deal. Obviously, it didn't work. Uh, Rainey's no. is too smart for that. But yeah, just neutralising threats until they've got the loyalists on board, until they, they sort of mentioned at one point, oh, there's two people in the City Watch that are still loyal to Damon because Damon used to be in charge of that. So they've sort mm. of replaced them. They got all the lords. I think they were the lords of the Stormlands, which is the area immediately around King's Landing. They got them in that yeah. room. And that one guy was like, I'd like to phone a friend and they were like, you can't do that. Sorry. You've got to just <laughs> got to just break your oath now. <laughs> he was sneaking out to tell, presumably to tell Rhaenyra, right? Yeah. That the, yeah. yeah. That was law. I think I looked this up on IMDB because I was like, I never know who these random people are. Lord Cardwell. Cardwell. Yeah. yeah. Lord Cardwell. Yeah. There was Lady Fell as well. We got a little sidebar, and actually, I guess something to look out for is who was Otto writing to when uh, when Alison uh, entered the room. That's what I want to know. Just, I just think th- he said they were going to get in touch with the lords that weren't able to get there on the day. Oh, was so that, was that, that what his like little, little the Riverlands and like the Vale and maybe even the Starks, maybe up the north? They'd be sort of sending them out to say. Get I think we're going to see this. I think we're going to see the Starks next week. I think there's going to be yeah more families like maybe to next week or surely this is because. Because we've got more Lannister involvement, surely this is the bit where the where we get the sort of expansion of the uh, of the universe. I mean, I, of the world. What, what yeah. I thought was re- what, what I thought what I loved about it was the rush to get him crowned uh, as the tension at the heart of it. Because yeah. I, I was um, listening to a history podcast actually, and they were talking they were talking about when the when the Queen died and how basically. If you're a Republican in the UK, you've got about a nanosecond to make your case. And it's when Nicholas Witchell says, the Queen has died. The King will be moving on to, and that's it, game over. That's that's your time. And so what you had here was this being, like you said, Jamie, that thing of this being played out in real time. Once the crown's on him and it's in front of a crowd, it's very hard to turn back on that. It's very hard to reverse that. It just gets that much more difficult. And so what I loved is the, is the, you know, the urgency of that, that, that like, and of, obviously, of course, the hands, the best laid plans are, are being disrupted by the fact that Prince is a wastrel. I thought just that all of that, you know, the, the, the machinations and you can have everything worked out. But if the guy at the centre of it all, it, A, isn't interested and B, is interested in whoring, you've got a problem, haven't yeah. you? They can't control yeah, you. Really it's brilliant. Have. Yeah. One question. Mm. Uh, last week, you know, Rhaenyra and Damon were just like, well, let's let's head back to Dragonstone. If you turned up and you were going to be the queen after your dad had carked it and you yeah. saw your dad in that state, you'd be like, maybe we shouldn't like travel all the way back to Dragonstone because <laughs> yeah. he didn't last the around. night. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps we should just wait. Ridiculous. Yeah. I thought Dude. the thing I thought I couldn't believe was when Alison like was shocked when they were like, yeah, he's dead. It's like, did, sorry, did you see him last night? Like, yeah. you, you, I'd be crying. <laughs> 
dying if he was alive. Like, <laughs> oh, do you know what I mean? Me. I was like, yeah, what, yeah. You, what did you expect? Yeah. He hasn't eaten for about 10 years. Yeah. Stylistically, this was a really weird episode. I, I really enjoyed it. And, I, and actually, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The, I, I did it, gave it a second watch and enjoyed it far more the, the, the second time, as I usually do, because the first time I'm just mm. kind of like, who's that? Why are they doing this? What was that they yeah. said? Get the subtitles on, blah, 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 blah. But this one, stylistically, felt like a bit of a detective drama. Mm. It felt like a, a kind of medieval Cagney and Lacey, where you had like <laughs> Kristen and... Amond kind of like just tootling off in their disguises. Although Amond's disguise is really shit. It's like, mate, you've got an eye patch on. You, there's okay. not a lot you can do. Sort of elf pirate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can we talk about kind of Kristen's like, hat that is supposed to disguise But that's him. what it's, I mean. Little like port pie hat, wasn't it? it was cool. hipster beanie that he had on. I mean, he's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right, so Kristen, though, um, he's getting more and more interesting. He's such a strange, mm. strange person. You know, the, his attitudes yeah. to women and his attitude and his obviously his attitude to violence. It's all very, very, very um he's quite peculiar, isn't he? And it's gonna get more peculiar. Which way do you think he's gonna go? Well, I mean he's well he's a psychopath for a start, isn't he? Because because what I love is all that nightly stuff, you know, that it, it's all very courtly and he's nightly and he's he offers people his sword and all that sort of stuff. But he'll kill he'll kill someone if he just has to. You know, smash on bash yeah. someone's brains out if he doesn't like the, yeah, the, yeah. the prospect of them. So there's that sort Insulting of Insulting the Queen. Yeah. Exactly. That very sort of um you know, that that in the end all this honour and all this nightly stuff is bullshit. It's just it's a it's a complete modus operandi for psychopaths. Literally, his armour is being a knight that's protecting him, the psychopath. You know, like, a, it's very, very odd. And, and how he views, you know, what did he say about women? You know, uh, he said something very strange about women and, and sex in this episode. We sort of think, wow, do you live in this universe where everyone's at it? Yeah, but, he did, didn't he? And he also, he, he's very, I think he's very regretful of his... Of his oh, yeah. When he shot his shot for... Um, yes, he's, he feels sullied, with, doesn't with he? Rainier. He's let himself yeah, down, he he's let really the guards down, he's let his regiment down. Well, that's what he said. He said, yeah. he said, all women are in the image of the mother. Yeah, that's presumed- one of the seven, one of the seven gods, yeah. you know, in the... Yeah. Okay. There was a weird little bit of sexual tension between Kristen and the Queen, wasn't there? The yeah. Queen, is the Queen leading him on a little bit? She leant in and whispered something to him that, that felt a yeah. little bit breathy. And, I think she's and, sort of blackmailing him a bit because she knows that he he's not supposed to sleep around and he did with Rhaenyra and she kind of has used that to get him in her employment basically so yeah, i think I mean, he's sort of he's pr- probably like keep like keeping her sweet in a way but also like she could like she could have him killed so he is a bit of a lapdog isn't he but he's he's quite batshit like <laughs> smashing yeah. heads in and stuff yeah yeah he's bonkers isn't he no i think she's one of the first people she practiced manipulating on you know after the wedding where he where he was yeah. he had no port you know who was he going to go to who was going to rescue him and she's that's yeah. the sort of first person she started really manipulating and so he's a, he's a sort of opening experiment in becoming you know tougher and stronger and part of the part of the sort of machiavellian arts that she needed to acquire so he's sort of like yeah you know she definitely uses her, her allure on him and definitely uses the fact that he doesn't think he should do anything about it. I mean, but he is, he's going, surely going to explode into some sort of horrendous, you know, further mm. psychopathic violence at some point. I'm still not convinced he's going to make it past the end of the season. Right. Okay. There's, well, there's, 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 I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. He just, I don't know. There's, there's just something there where 
I mean, maybe he will. Maybe he'll end up being like the Brienne of Tarth and will yeah. will become deeply honourable and have some kind of mere culpa moment yeah. and all the rest of it. But at the moment, he just he still feels a little bit on the periphery as a character. Yeah, I think some, somehow. Yeah, yeah, for me. But we we got introduced also to to the White Worm uh, in this episode. We've seen the White Worm before, though, right? Unless I'm going absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's the girl it's, that Damon pretended. Damon was Damon's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I thought. I, I thought so. Now, uh, Missaria is a name, and she is now. Whether she was doing this before or not, I'm not entirely sure. But she's now like head of the people's KGB uh, yeah. in in Westeros <laughs> and has set up this kind of like network of of whisperers or little birds, as Varys would have called them back in the day. But is on like seemingly on some kind of moral crusade to stop the uh, for some reason to stop the pits of uh, fighting children in exchange for, in, for information. What do we what do we make of her? And am I right in thinking that that was her house that was being burnt down at the end? I think so. Yeah, I think it was a. Bro- I didn't catch that on the first watch. On the second one, I was like, oh, I think that's the brothel. I I found it quite hard to understand what was going on there because you know what Game of Thrones would do is sort of build this up, but it was just like. Here she is. She's got her own sort of like whisper network and, and like, you know, and, and she's sort of working with Otto a little bit and uh, Laris Strong knows who she is. It's kind of difficult to really, I can't really speak to it that much, but what I would say is like, well, well, she's the threat, isn't she? She said, she says to Otto, you've only got the power that the people let you have, you know, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's sort of this revolutionary flavor to what she was saying or something. Mm. So maybe that's why yeah, she's like the Mick, Mick Lynch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All the, prostit- yeah. all the prostitutes out, everyone out. Um, uh, it, I mean, maybe it's maybe that's that's why her house is destroyed. Is it's the hand pushing back at her and saying, "I know, where, literally, I know where you live. You, you know, you can't come at me like can't come at me like that." Although, obviously, all of his right. So it wasn't. So they weren't burning. They weren't burning that fight. The, the kid fighting pit down. Then that was her. That was her brothel. We think it wasn't Otto doing what right, I think okay. so. But but I but I thought that was a very interesting moment. Her saying, "You're only as powerful," because after all, the you know. The, the thing in the, the thing in the Game of Thrones books is it's very much about how the machinations of these people at the top affect the lives of ordinary people and how bad things can get when the people are playing the Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? So to have someone speak for the people and go, do you, do, do you mind? You know, you, 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 your power only de- is dependent on us. I thought it was really, really, really. In- it's a surprising texture because you don't very, you didn't very often yeah. hear that in Game of Thrones itself. That there's, you know, except maybe in the form of the High Sparrow who was leveraging a different kind of power. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the herd say the people, the, the people the city, very rarely had a say. Did yeah, exactly, they? Yeah. exactly. The only time we saw the really kind of clap back was in it was in the shame uh, walk yes. with with yeah. Um, yeah yeah with Cersei, with wasn't Cersei. it? Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I think what was really good at having Masaria sort of have that moment is so that by the end of the episode when we see the very good PR strategy of getting all the the common folk to witness it that's kind of where it links to right where Mm. she's like we decide if you've got power and where you get power and I suppose it sort of sets up that idea that like yeah they they crowned Aegon in in full view of the public to sort of cement him as like the people's king yeah I love the name the white worm as well it's a really good Real good seedy kind of spy name, yeah, as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also that scene, the scene between her and Otto, had my favourite line. Uh, I think of the of the whole episode, which was um, a further peel in this stinking onion. Yes, Stink. what a great line! What a fucking great yeah. line that was. Well, done. yeah. And then we see Rainey's escape. Was that Derek or Eric that let him out? I get confused. It was, it was one of them, wasn't it? 
It could be a third one called Beric. We don't know, do we? This is the thing. <laughs> It was Eric. Was Connor, Eric. Uh, producer Connor is the only one take, taking them seriously. <laughs> it, it but now Eric. there's one on the blacks and one on the greens, which helps. Right, fine. So, I mean, this is our mountain, the hound in the mountain again, all mm. over again, isn't it? And so, so Rainey's escaped. She wanted to, 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 to go and get her dragon. Uh, remind me of the dragon's name. It's, it's quite a, a straight name, isn't it? Mary, Mary, Melise. Yeah, that was it. Melise. Melise. She wanted to go and get the dragon. And, and Eric was just like, no, you've got to get down to, there's a boat waiting for you on Blackwater. She had other ideas and was quite happy when, when they got split up. Yeah. And gave that little knowing smile when the crowd was, was led towards the dragon pit now who the hell i don't know who does town planning in in king's landing but i would not in a million years put some kind of like ceremonial hall directly above a fucking dragon pit that to me seems like lunacy that's like in a i wrote in i wrote in my notes that it's the equivalent would be like William and Kate getting married at Battersea Dogs Home. Like, there's just no reason. <laughs> yeah, but a nuclear exactly. no reason for it. Nuclear Battersea Dogs Home. Sellerfield. Yeah. yeah. Sellerfield, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Coronation on top of Sellerfield. Yeah. Just a bit stupid. Why run the risk? Why, if there's if there's a million and one chance, just don't do it. You know, it could. Yeah. So, so she's like, who could have seen this happen? Who could have seen yeah. this happen? Yeah. I also enjoyed the vast, the vastness of that room, yeah. which was which was brilliant. Had probably had what? 20, 30,000 people in it. And yet Rainey's was just able just to very, very quickly just sneak to the edge and go down a flight of stairs and, and, and to the dragon. That bit was great. Well, she knows a way around, you know. She does know, yeah. I mean, sometimes you can't get hung up on that kind of thing, can you? Because that moment when the, when she burst through the floor with a dragon, I shouted, oh my God, to the yeah. point my wife came downstairs and said, what, what, are you all right? What's happened? So, um, <laughs> and you think if it, even, uh, you know, I've been watching, watching Game of Thrones stuff and House of the Dragon for a long time. Um, uh, so to get it to me, to me, f- to do that, it, it, you know, just shows, I just thought that was such a fantastic mm. moment. And what, it was really uh, what does it, it mean? You know, I mean, it, it's such an interesting moment because they are usurpers. They have gone against, and she said, I'm, you know, I'm, we're a family of our word, didn't she? So. What's going to happen to us? Yeah. Yes. You know, civil war, surely. But the word of my house is not... That's it. The word of my house is not fickle. That's it. Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. So this was kind of like forespoken for and we knew that something was coming because actually it was quite heavily, you know, for, for Game of Thrones, it was pretty heavily... Uh, heavily kind of like thrust upon it. It was was like, by the way, the beast, don't forget the beast beneath the boards. I said, this is important. Don't forget the, you know, there was, it was quite a few times more than is usual for Game of Thrones. I don't know whether it was to try and just, just because there's going to be a lot of people that haven't seen Game of Thrones, but normally that kind of foreshadowing, you have to go back and find it, you know, after the event. Um, So we, we all kind of knew that something was up. We discussed last week about, Helena is, for me now, one of the most interesting of the Targaryens because she is the she seems to be the one that's been graced with magic or or the mm. the kind of third eye the three eyed raven sense of sense of whatnot. And I was I was keeping a real close eye on her this time, and and she couldn't look at Aegon nope. barely at all. She barely looked at him in the eye and kept looking over at Aemond. Um So I don't know whether there was whether that. I mean, there's not a shot wasted in 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 Westeros as we know so that that clearly meant something yeah now I think the dreamers section is, is really really interesting and really, really important and we did a bit of uh, digging around because I think people will find it will find it interesting too so 
some Targaryens are born with the ability to see into the future and they've got visions of events that haven't yet come to pass. And that's what we've seen with, with Helena. Now, these Targaryens with that ability to prophesize the future are referred to as dreamers. Uh, Daenys the dreamer had the gift of prophecy. Uh, she and her family survived the doom of Valeria because they sold all of their holdings and belongings 12 years before the doom and they left Valeria moving instead onto Dragonstone. That's how the Targaryen uh, kind of lineage uh, survived. We learned that Aegon the Conqueror was a dreamer when Viserys revealed to Rhaenyra back in, I think it was probably at one, the threat from the north in the Song of Ice and Fire. Now Viserys has also had a vision himself. He had a vision that Emma would give birth to a male heir, uh, the the vision came true, but of course, um, uh, his son died shortly after birth. Daenerys Targaryen saw the Iron Throne in a vision with snow falling over the halls. This vision came true much, much later in the series when she finally arrived in King's Landing and took the throne for herself, albeit a bit briefly. But for me, it's still one of the most important parts of that universe. And we've spoken about this, Chris, is the magic. And, and that, for me, was something that, that had been missing. And I was really pleased that there seems to be elements of that of that in there. She's going to be quite a powerful ally because she doesn't seem to be... I can't work out whose side she is on. As much as Bran, I guess, in, in Thrones wasn't really on anyone's side. He was just like... He was a bit like the fella out of Love Island that was just like, tis, that's just the way it is. Tis what it is. You know, he was, it was just... It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's just kind of like, nothing I can do about it. Mate, it's, it's been it's been foreseen, hasn't it? You know, um, yeah. and she's probably a bit like that, isn't she? Did you get the sense that she was maybe anti anti Alicent? I think Chris? she. What you mean, Helena? 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 Yes, yeah, yeah, Helena. Yeah. yeah, Helena. Helena. Yeah. I think she. I mean, if I was constantly telling people that something tragic was about to happen and they ignored me, I would just get so fucked off. And I'm surprised <laughs> she doesn't have like an Alan Partridge dictaphone around to the to just well, jot these down because she <laughs> told that had nanny. To say, all she had to say was, rather than the beast, beware the beast beneath the boards, go, Rainier is going to fuck you all up yeah. at Aegon's coronation. Yeah. That's all she had I to mean, say. What they probably, because she sort of told the nanny in this episode, she was like, there is a beast beneath the boards. And she was like, uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> like, kind of busy here. <laughs> no idea what that kind means. Of busy, <laughs> kind of busy raising your children, actually, and I don't get paid. But I think, yeah, whenever she says something now, it's important to listen. She actually said something really interesting this episode, which is not as cryptic, but she said, uh, it is our fate to crave what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away, which is kind of what this whole conflict is based on, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She was also doing an embroidery of a giant spider. And there was a lot of talk in this episode about spiders, threads, yep. webs. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris, you are my, well, basically you spend the time watching the, uh, the opening titles. So I don't have to. Yeah. And you notice, you notice quite a few things and a spider cropped up in that as well, didn't it? T- take uh, us through it. Yes. I'm yes, sure it you did. mentioned yes, it did. that. Sorry, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making it up as I go along. No, basically, um, We've talked about this intro before and because all the characters have the same sigil because they're all Targaryens, Mm. the icons change. They're sort of a bit more tailored to their characters. And we saw when branches of the family sort of develop in the show, we see rivers of blood sort of pooling off from people. And we saw the sort of sigils or the trademark badges of each of Alicent and Viserys' children. And Helena's is a spider. Because uh, she kind of loves bugs. Yeah. She's into like creepy crawlies. She was playing with a millipede in one episode. So I think it's sort of interesting as a sort of nod to that, but also Aemon's icon is a sapphire. And that is a reference to the fact that in the books, when he loses his eye, 
he just jams a sapphire in there to sort of style it out. Does he? Oh, yeah. wow, that's pretty cool. And, uh, so like, maybe like we'll... Mick Hucknall. Mick Hucknall did that with a ruby in his tooth. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. it's basically that. that. <laughs> yeah, the glass eye industry has not taken off in Westeros quite yet. Uh, and then Aegon's is like a naked woman with a crown, which maybe someone who has read the books can sort of point us to that. The other thing to mention about that, though, is that there are four... Alicent and Viserys have actually had four children. One of them has yes. just not been featured in the show. And that is because there is already like 50 feral children running around. So I think Darion or Darren is uh, going to be Darren? too. But Darren. It's just Darren, isn't Darren. it? Yeah. Can it not be just Darren? Yeah. Darren. Eric, Eric Derek and Darren. Uh, no, it's interesting. And if anyone has seen anything in the intro that they think is interesting, they should let us know. Because I, I really, I, I, if I didn't watch it twice, I wouldn't have picked up on stuff like this. But yeah. No, George George R. R. Martin and uh, his and his kind of like put his head above the parapet after King Viserys' death last week and said how pleased he was with Paddy's performance and then mentioned that that Darren Darren Darian uh, that's right is did. is in season two he's just been in Old Town he was just it's on a gap like year, you say Chris, he, basically yeah he was on a gap year just <laughs> is it, is it a kibbutz in Old Town yeah. um, just because. Um, I think it mainly because there was too many kids, like you say, and uh, we saw even more. A little, little side note: and we, when we watched the trailer for this episode last week, we thought that one of um, Egon's bastard children were in prison, but they weren't. They were just slumped in the corner of the uh, of the child, the, the sharp tooth child pit. Absolutely so, deranged. But 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 there are more of them lurking around, which is going to be a huge problem, yeah. especially if they're if they're the firstborn heir. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Okay, so let's get on to um, the coronation. And actually, part of what we saw at the coronation was the fact that Aegon, as part of Alicent's way of trying to unify and legitimise Aegon's uh, coronation, you know, she linked it as, as tightly as she could to his, pre- his namesake, mm-hmm. uh, Aegon the Conqueror, the original person who had the dream, uh, who foresaw the, the prince that was promised. Uh, and in doing so, gave him, uh, gave her son Aegon, Aegon the Conqueror's crown, which was an actually really cool kind of Kylo Ren style kind of crown with a little, and that had a little ruby in the middle of it. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that as well. Um, and also the sword that he was given was quite, was quite prominent as well. And that sword was called Blackfire. Uh, and we thought, you know, as we like to delve into a few things, it's time for a bit of Blackfire wisdom. So here we go. Now, Blackfire is the fabled bastard sword of Valyrian steel once wielded by Aegon the Conqueror. A bastard sword's a hand and a half sword that enables blows to be delivered with the power of a two-handed sword, but can also be wielded with one hand. Blackfire is the most famous of all the Valyrian steel swords ever owned by House Targaryen. Another famous Valyrian blade owned by the family is Dark Sister. That's wielded by Daemon Targaryen, which he used to eviscerate the crab feeder and more recently take the head of Vaemon Valarian, although he did let him keep his tongue, obviously. Now, both during and in the aftermath of Aegon's conquest, King Aegon I Targaryen carried Blackfire and used it in combat, for executions and in the conflicts in Dawn. Aegon loved Blackfire so much that when he died, Blackfire was created with him on his funeral pyre. Maegor the Cruel retrieved the blade from the ashes, and it had been made darker by the fire, but was otherwise undamaged. Aegon was succeeded by Aenys I, but being an adequate swordsman at best, Aenys bestowed the blade to his younger, more suited to combat brother, Maegor. After Aenys died in 42 AC, Maegor flew to Dragonstone to claim the crown. And when Maester Gwen insisted that the Iron Throne should pass to Aenys' son, Prince Aegon, Maegor beheaded Gwen with Blackfire. 
Now, when the realm began to unite against Magor, Queen Raina Targaryen stole the sword from him and gave it to Aenys' son, Prince Jaharis, who denounced his own claim at Storm's End. Magor was eventually found dead on the Iron Throne, and legend grew that it was the throne itself that had claimed him. Jaharis used the sword to slay the rebel Boris Baratheon during the Third Dornish War. Jaharis also killed Sir Braxton Beesbury in trial by combat after Braxton was found to have seduced the king's daughter, Princess Syra. Blackfire passed through Jaharis to Viserys I, who carried it through his long and mostly peaceful reign. Now that Viserys has died, Blackfire, along with the crown of Aegon the Conqueror, has been claimed by Aegon II, who hoisted Blackfire above his head in celebration at his coronation. The Greens will no doubt hope these ancient symbols of Targaryen greatness will enhance the legitimacy of Aegon's claim against his rival, Viserys' long-named heir, Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen. Or should that be Queen Rhaenyra Targaryen? Hmm. While you digest all of that Blackfire wisdom, just a little word from our sponsors. See you in a second. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Goodness me! I tell you what, the denseness of the family tree and the uh, the royal uh, chain of command in, in in George's world is it's pretty intense. You're a, you're a history buff. Al. Yeah. How does that stack? How does it stack up in in like War of the Roses esque kind of real real life? Oh, this is all. That's what's so brilliant about this is it's all entirely plausible because this is this is the stuff of. Certainly all this um, kings and people personally kit- offing each other. It's very much post the end of the Viking era into the early mid- Middle Ages. Although I don't know if we use that ex- term anymore in history. It's all, all the, those have all been changed. But, but yeah, I mean, this is very much like Viking kings or Norse kings or early French kings, early English kings. It's got that real, that real flavour of the entanglement and, you know, the idea that every now and again there's a central king who is in charge of everything, but then his underlings, he, if he's weak, his underlings take over. And I think what obviously George R. R. Martin really loves is the thing of having someone young and ill-prepared coming to the throne, you know, in the manner of Henry VI or, God, I mean, Edward VI, uh, who tends to be the 
guys with a six in their number, but um, <laughs> you know, where where basically then what happens is there's someone who's supposed to be there's someone who's supposed to be the a benign uncle who's in charge, and then he's got other angry uncles, and then there's other people who think, well, actually, this claim is illegitimate, and all that all that sort of tension, and that is such a brilliant plot device to add to a world where this is how people settle their disputes in a, in a kind of no man yeah. no argument way. And I think you know it's it all. That all sounds up. You know, if, if you if you if you didn't know that was from a fantasy universe, you'd think it was the real thing. You know, Harold Hadrada and whatever, right. and all so, those sort of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah, Chris, we've known each other a while now, Chris, haven't we? Yeah. And there's something you've been after for a while. So oh, I think before we get on to before we get on to Maylies, I think there you go, mate. Just crack on. Oh, thank crack you on. so much. Just just whenever you want to go, just go. I'll I'll avert my eyes. If yeah. you want to knock one out. If you want to knock one out, just go for it. Uh, let's talk about. And I, I think there's no other way of naming it. There's no other we way of naming it other than it. F- other than Footwank Gate. I mean, I, I had, well, well, I don't know. Uh, the way it was trailed uh, when they because there was a lingering close up of his feet as he arrived, wasn't there? Yeah. So you're thinking, yeah. okay, right? What? What? What's that for? Awkward edit. What's, you know what's going on? Yeah. And, yeah. And the next thing you know, never a shot wasted, never a no. shot wasted. And so, I mean, I've, aside from the actual kind of, I loved it. It was like a brilliant Game of Thrones kind of like, yeah, you want, you, you, you want to see sick? This is pretty <laughs> out there. I mean, I don't know if it was in the books. I'm not entirely sure from the reaction I've read online this morning. I don't think it was necessarily in the books. So for someone, I think, you know, um, for Ryan, for Ryan Condal and, and whoever the script writers were to sit down and go, we need something kind of like, just to kind of demonstrate the kind of hold that Laris has over Alicent and the weird kind of relationship that they've got, because they needed to answer a question, which is why would Laris want to help? What does he want out of the relationship? Yeah, he yeah. hinted to her on the boat, I think in a, in a couple of episodes back was, well, when the time comes, uh, I'm sure you'll be uh, appreciative or something. He said something like that. Mm. We all thought it was going to be like I don't know, a pot of gold or a, like a, a nice seat at the small council or something <laughs> like that. No, he just wanted to uh, shoot his wad over her toes. Um, <laughs> now for the script writers to go... <laughs> right, we need something that's going to be kind of classic Thronesy. That's going to be a bit, bit Tyrion, bit kind of like um, bit a bit reek, a bit kinky. Bit kinky. They just went straight to Tarantino, didn't they? They were just like yeah. perfect. What would what would Quentin Tarantino write in? Oh, he'd, he'd absolutely have someone wanking over Alison's feet. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was actually. I thought it was actually really good. Yeah. Uh, aside from the kind of like you know clearly kind of like people are gone. Oh my God, that's disgusting. It's like babes never check my hard drive. That was nothing. So the thing is, it's a really actually, good, cause it's a really specific character detail, right? Like you could, you could yeah. write it that he wants to sleep with Alison and you're like, yeah, okay. You could read it that way, but it's, he's got like a sort of a club foot and he's obsessed yeah, the with layers feet. of it are brilliant. And, yeah, yeah. and also like, also I, everyone's into their own thing, but I just respect someone who is able to masturbate under seven layers of cloaks because that <laughs> looked so complicated. I mean, why be shy at that point? Just get you know, it why out. Be shy? Just get it out. Uh, yeah, you know, we're all friends here. Yeah, I mean, you've gone that far. But I thought it was a really good detail. Well, well, also, I mean, so he does murders for her if she needs him doing, and in return, that that's what he wants in return? I mean, is this the deal? That he gets to 
to do his yeah. I know. sexy foot wank. I mean, I mean it's, you know, proper, it's, it's a proper power play, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's the hand of the king and the yeah. feet of the queen, you know, and it's... The feet it's... of the king. <laughs> <laughs> the feet of the king. Um, what I thought is really interesting, though, is that, like, I thought, oh, he's just, like, a, he'll do anything for her because he's really into yeah. her. But also, you kind of asked Jamie, like, what is, why is he sort of fighting for her so strongly? Like, bear in mind, the rumour is that Rhaenyra burnt most of his family alive, right? Obviously, he yeah. seems to have been behind that. But, like, it, yeah. he kind of needs to look like he blames Rhaenyra for that, right? Like, that's the sort of, that was the, the rumour going around, was that her team were behind it. So I think in some ways, he needs to look like a devout fan of the Greens to sort of yeah. throw people off the trail, as it were. But something yeah, I thought about this, just when I watched it the second time, the first time I just thought that is a really specific detail. It's so, like, it speaks so much about him. I actually think there's something really clever with this because I think Alison thinks she's got him wrapped around her finger or toe or anything like that. She thinks she's got him where she wants him because he's obsessed with her. But I think because of that, he's actually sort of playing her a little bit where he's sort of like, the okay. idea is like, she thinks I'm obsessed with her, so she will look the other way when I sort of work against her. Like, I just don't yeah. trust him. And I think there's so much to it that it's not as simple as like, oh my God, he just like gets well, off on I her. mean, but we know that he's 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 going to double cross Alison because he's already offered himself to Otto, um, yeah. to Otto yeah. and yeah. said, you know, Otto was kind of like, you've been spending a bit of time with my daughter, you fucking weirdo. And he's like, yeah, but that, why don't you tell me how you want me to mould her and I can yeah. and I can steer her that way? Yeah. Is he the spider? Is he, is he the spider? Did you also notice, um, I mean, this might already have been established, but he was referred to as the Lord Confessor for the first time, which is the official yes. torturer. And I kind of wondered yeah. if the thing where he was cutting people's tongues out and getting them out of the prisons, if he's been given this official role where he's, yeah, he's the, the, the sort of CIA torture, the Kiefer Sutherland uh, Jack Bauer of, uh, yeah. of Westeros. Hang on a sec. Hey, I won't have that. Jack Bauer would never have, never have broken <laughs> protocol like that. <laughs> he got addicted to heroin for three episodes, but he would never have cut people's tongues out. <laughs> I think he, I think if it had got him, if got him to find out where the bomb was, he'd have gone, get me a pair of scissors now. Well, but um, would he so have, that would was an interesting detail that, I mean, would he have had a cheeky foot wank if that had, he got found out what Al Qaeda were <laughs> up to? I mean, I mean Jack Bauer, Jack Bauer wouldn't have done, but Kiefer Sutherland suit. <laughs> Jack Bauer has to maintain. Jack Bauer has to maintain his cover as an employee at the Birkenstocks shop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we'll do anything um, to keep it. Moving on to, I guess, the kind of ultimate, the the, the cliffhanger, the big moment that we've that we talked about, which was um, Maylee's the dragon, the beast beneath the boards did turn out to be a dragon beneath the ceremony. I think this has been quite divisive online. People mm. were kind of like, oh, that was a bit kind of like, I wasn't, wasn't really all that turned on by that. I quite enjoyed it. I missed, it felt very much, again, mirroring um, the dragon saving Daenerys from the, the dragon pit. Was it a dragon pit in Dawn or somewhere uh, at one point? Where the, the, sons of, the sons of, yeah, yeah the pits. sons of Harpy were about to kill them at one point. And that was the first time that we saw Daenerys on a dragon, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and flew away with that. It felt very much like that. There were people putting up the memes of Shrek 
uh, <laughs> eating Lord uh, the dragon eating Lord Farquhar. And <laughs> what did you make of it, Chris? What was your what was your feeling about it tonally? Yeah, and because I I I, I actually think it would it was it, it needed to be there to set up what's going to come in episode mm. ten. But I, what I'd want, I'm interested to know what you thought. Well, Chris. the first time I watched it, I thought I I was like, ow! I like literally gasped when she like burst through the ground. Like I couldn't believe it. Uh, I thought it was really great. I really wanted to see Rhaenys like step up and do something really cool. So that was amazing. When I watched it the second time, I thought yeah, it does feel like it's sort of, they kind of went with the visuals first. Like, wouldn't this look cool? And then have tried to like justify it afterwards. There's a inside the episode video on HBO's YouTube where they, and they go, they sort of try and explain it a little bit. I mean, I think the explanation is a little thin, but it's a really cool moment because what yeah. I sort of thought on the second watch was that whole coronation was about imagery. It was about PR. It was Aegon the Conqueror's crown, the original sword, you know, all the Targaryen imagery. And then Rhaenys kind of goes, you want to see some Targaryen imagery? I'm on the back of a massive fucking dragon and I've just killed a few random people just and I'm off. And that for me was yeah. like, if you want to see what power and command and like bloodlust looks like, this is it. And I didn't even, I could have killed you all. I didn't. And I, off I go. So I think it, in a sort of like symbolic thing, I thought it was fucking amazing. But I, mm. I just, again, I'm like holding an important event like that on top of the dragon pit. Uh, <laughs> just crazy. So I don't know, like mixed really. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I, I kind of, I'm with you on that. I think, it, again, it was good to see Eve Best. And, you know, clearly now we've been for a lot of this season going, why aren't they using Eve Best yeah. more? Because she's fucking great. Yeah. And, you know, it looks like Rainey's is now like heading into one hell of a season two. What do you think? She's she's now clearly, she's gone off to warn um, Rhaenyra, yeah. right? Al, yeah. That's where she's gone. She's, yeah. Al, she's, she's like flown off. She's like, quick, it's all fucking onto shit. What did you make of it? What did you make of it all? Well, uh, it, you know, as a sort of way of shifting the gear, there's been a lot of, it's been, what's been really impressive with this season is even this first series, is even though it's like had lots of really massive moments, a big shocking moments and big sort of twists and the and the time shifts and everything which have taken us to getting used to, they've still held off what this actually all comes down to, which is that someone's someone's on the throne who shouldn't be. They've they've managed to they've actually taken nine episodes over that. And and, and that you could have started where we are this it, it, this week but they decided not to so as a sort of um you know statement of intent for what's to come i mean what's so fantastic about this series is the dragons have been in it right from the beginning we're going to wait for the bloody things what we've got to wait for is the the the, the igniting moment which is you put the crown on yeah. on aegon and that's that's the that's when everything changes because it's it, it and yeah. it's almost like I mean, it's, it's symbolism in that you know, if you build things on a lie, they're going to explode. It's it's got that. It's got it had that symbolism in it too. That the lie, the lie cannot stand, and that the, these are the forces that they're actually toying with. Not like, have you got the white worm under control? Have you got him out of the? Have you got Aegon out of the brothels? Have you you know, have you got your ducks in a row politically? There's a, a much bigger forces at work. And I mean, the fact that she kills a load of innocent people though to sort of make this point um, or, or, or lay down this gauntlet is, yeah. is, is very Game of Thrones. I'm presuming she did. 
Well, I, I mean, she just burst through the. There were there were like thirty thousand people stood there. There's no way that they all survived. Yeah. So 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 even though she's done that, she's not exactly be popular with the people of King's Landing, is she? So uh, no. as a way of securing people to her cause, that maybe wasn't so brilliant either. You know. Uh, but I don't know. I loved it. I thought I loved it, and I loved it was because it's the sort of this episode is when finally the thing that's obviously going to cause a great big civil war that's going to last however many years on our tellies. It's, it's, it's yeah. where we've got to. And you needed a big moment like that to go, dunno, it's happening now. Yeah, no great. Before we wrap up, let's 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 just talk about Alicent. It was most definitely her episode in as much as Viserys uh, was was episode eight. And I yeah. think uh, fair to say that Rhaenyra is going to get her moment next week. Yeah. Uh, I thought Olivia Cook was just fucking excellent. She is, no one can eye roll like Alicent Hightower. <laughs> there, was, there was a bit where Otto said to her, oh, you don't half look, when oh. he tries to rein her in a bit, or, oh, you don't half look like your mother in a certain light. And she just rolled her eyes as if to yeah. say, oh, fuck off. Man. Yeah. Give us a break. Yeah. Her face acting is just is just wonderful. The moment where she, at the end where she stood in front, where she kind of like not that it would made a blind bit of difference. She would she would have mm. still been burnt to ash. Uh, you know, trying to protect Aegon and pushing Helena, getting Kristen to go and go and just get Helena. Forgetting she didn't even mention. Um, Amond at all. Yeah. She was just like told Kristen Cole, Kristen Cole to go and save uh, Helena yeah. and she stood in front of Egon. Yeah. Um just just astounding acting again from from Olivia. Uh, and I think they've planned it quite well. Certainly in terms of award season. Viserys had his episode, Alison's getting this one and Rainier is getting <laughs> the next one. Just really kind of like look at our three leads that we've had mm. in this season. All of them absolutely fucking brilliant. And yeah. and I don't know where Alison's going to go. I, I thought she was going to be evil and nasty, and that's the way it was going. But I see, there's a glimmer of hope there, I think, in this one. Maybe. What do you think, Al? Well, she obviously felt that the King's call for resolution in his family last week was actually something worthwhile and something valid, and that they ought to reconcile, and they're better off if they do, and that the, all the machinations and everything are, are dishonest to the King's will. I thought that was what's really interesting about that dinner, even though the kids didn't think so, and the kids saw it as an opportunity to try and uh, hang shit on each other. I thought that was really interesting, and she'd obviously taken that to heart, which is why she doesn't want Damon off and all that sort of stuff. You can see that, and it's always this, you know, this thing in Westeros that everyone's conflicted, everyone's everyone's nuanced, everyone's complicated by the situation they're in. You know, and I think that that, that you're right. I think she's got a, the, the kid's got a good height. What can I tell you? You know what I yeah. mean? And I think that's really showing it. Or she's trying to be, she's trying to honour um, the king in what she's doing, which I think is really interesting because Otto Hightower has no interest in honouring the king at all. Could no, be asked with it. Not at all. Chris, what do you think? What did you make of Olivia's performance this week? I thought she was amazing. I mean, I think this episode particularly, she's doing so much. Like, because there's a scene where she sees Viserys' body as it's getting yeah. wrapped up. And I just, yeah. you know, she's kind of mourning him because I do think like they, she, she cared for him deeply. Yeah. And I think she's mourning him, but also she knows that it, she's heard this sort of whisper of a, you know, it's you, you have to get Aegon on the throne or whatever she thought she heard. In order to do that, she might have to facilitate a lot of violence. And I think a lot yeah. of the crying and a lot of the breakdown is like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I'm not prepared. I'm not a Targaryen. I don't understand any of this. And so... I thought this episode was so good. She's really trying to like save her son in a way from, from falling into this sort of destructive cycle. And yeah, I just yeah. found all of it really empowering, uh, really powerful. 
particularly what Rainey says to her, which is, you know, you are always going to be in service to these men. Like you're never going to be free. You're just making a window in the wall of your prison. Like, and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. that she does, whether it's Kristen, whether it's Laris, whether it's her father, her sons, she is sort of in service to them in some way. And I think it's so interesting that she's, she is trapped literally. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just, it's so complex and you know, it has been a slow burning show, but like it's got to this point that we've seen all of these moments where she's been forced into this system. And now, even though her husband's died, she's not got any more control. She's not got any more power. She thought Aegon being on the throne was her idea. And literally all the men in the room were like, we're five steps ahead of you. Already planned it, babe. You know, it's like yeah. really yeah. fucking hard. So I'm really, I can't, I can't really get a steer on where it's going to go, but I, you know, obviously Rhaenys is going to head over to Rhaenyra and there's, it's going to blow up. This is a powder keg moment, isn't it really? Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's not, let's not be around the bush. Shall we all watch uh, the trailer for next week? <laughs> Final we episode this season. I don't, I know, I know, I know. Oh. Right. Let's, let's all go and watch it and see you in a sec. Okay. The Greens are coming for you, Rhaenyra. And for your children. cannot bend the knee to the high towers. They stole your birthright. Every man standing round the painted table urges her to plunge the realm into war. Lay siege to the Red Keeper. Send us. I swear to ward the Queen. Your cause owns a power that has not been seen since the days of old Valyria. amazing yeah i actually have seen it already but i saw it again and wow okay so uh things to unpick is that a glimpse of corliss valarian at the beginning maybe it's weird like if he was gonna die he'd have died right yeah and i think he's okay yeah i, th- I, th- I think almost certainly he's gonna come back let me almost see unless certainly. i see the body just, he's alive yeah, yeah. show me the body yeah exactly and there was there was just someone there was someone looking just kind of staring at the uh, out to sea, and it, I I got a glimpse, I got a feeling that, that mm. was Corliss Valarian, but I, I could well be wrong. Um, so okay, so let's let's see what we've got there. So we've got uh, Rainey's obviously got back yeah. there, informs them. They look kind of slightly surprised and shocked by yeah. the whole thing. Amazing kind of like war table in Dragonstones mm. yeah. with the fire with the like the fire underneath it, kind of backlit. It's like a gamers table <laughs> version of like uh, it's, it's like a streamers like yeah. uh, <laughs> thing, isn't it? It's like that's exactly what my sons would have. They'd have LED strips underneath yeah. it. Be like, can we get yeah? Can we get like a yeah? And Phil Daniels and all the yeah. gang there advising it again. A room full of men. Ad- advising a woman uh, it's going to pretty much mirror uh alison's i think but jesus fucking christ there's a well, lot but, of dragons but, but, but that crown the, the, the this is your who was that crown being offered to they didn't show us well i think that's is that Derek or eric that's the one rainice stole which was viserys's crown yeah. so i presume they're giving that oh hang on a second i didn't know she'd stolen the crown i missed that bit yeah 
Did she when not? did that happen? Did I see that? Well, I presume. I mean, it's there, right? So, like... Yeah. Yeah, but you know what I mean? We're not shown who it's being offered to. I mean, I think it's obvious. Yeah, that's true. It ought to be obvious, but they do not show you, show us. Producer producer Connor is saying that Eric took it. Did we see that, I producer we Connor? Did, did Eric win? I don't Eric? remember. Maybe I missed it. Sorry, sure no, it was Eric. My, my um, sure it was Eric. Not, my, not, I presume it was in the Eric, uh, giant weekend bag that Rainey's fitted her armour in. Because where did that come from? Got <laughs> 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 those Mary Poppins bags. Oh, yeah. Just a three-piece set of armour. So it looks like, I don't know, where the kids were saying send us, they all jumped in their dragons. Yeah. I'm not sure they were going to war, though. No, no. I just, I think Al said earlier in this episode that like, I think we're going to see a bit more of Westeros. Yeah. And I wonder if everyone is going out to try and get, yeah, the Aaron's, the Starks, the Greyjoys. Like, I wonder if we're going to see all these, you know, kids sort of going out and, and like, because we saw one, of, I think, is it Jace sort of running towards his dragon who looks that little, yeah. that little dragon fucking hell. So yeah. after seeing some of these yeah. big fellas, <laughs> This one looks really pathetic, doesn't it? It's yeah. like a tiny little, yeah, yeah. tiny little greyhound puppy. Um, <laughs> but but then, interestingly, you know, Damon singing that lovely kind of like mm. uh, kind of Roixop uh, yes. number. <laughs> that's th- that's his dragon, right? It felt like he was a little bit tentative it about. Looks like about, a different one. It. I think his is red, it isn't like it? I think. Yeah, yeah. So whose is that then? Maybe he's going to... Maybe they're trying to win, because he already was hatching some eggs. Well, maybe they're trying maybe to... Maybe it's Renice's dragon and or, or something, you know, like... Because maybe they are... Oh. Producer Connor is saying he thinks it's a wild Producer dragon. Producer Connor knows what's up. He's got he's got his own spider's web, I think. Right, right. Yeah, I think he, he's the white book, one. Book um, so, uh, so there wasn't... There wasn't that much else to put away other than it looks like both women have, have, have had a choice. Yes. You know, Alison has, has, has had a choice and now it looks like it's Rhaenyra's turn. It's kind of like you can either go about this a diplomatic way and try and find a diplomatic route or you can rain Merry Hellfire on yeah. the whole What's the di- What, is, just what on earth down. is the diplomatic solution in this when someone takes your throne? Well, I don't know, but, but I think, you know, but, but Alison was trying to find that, wasn't mm. she? She was like, maybe can we just send a letter and ask nicely? And, and maybe that... Yeah. Have you considered stepping down? Ask and- the 1922 committee to sort it out for you. <laughs> because there's got to be a point where there's got to, there has to be a point, unless this turns into some kind of farcical plot point where Rhaenyra never mentions to to Alison about Aegon's dream. Mm. You know, there has to be that conversation they where they go, to no, get you in told the room me about at some point, right? And go, yeah. why do you think it's like the finals of the apprentice? Why do you think you should be <laughs> running the country? <laughs> well, I heard a dream and it explicitly mentioned Aegon, <laughs> right? Well, I've got an Aegon who says that it's about him. We need them to get in Hang room. on a sec, Chris. This is not going to be like Team Will and Team Gareth in Pop Idol, mate. Not, there's, not a red, there's not a red and blue bus Everyone being driven around the UK. Votes. Everyone yeah. gets five phone votes, okay? You may be charged. Please ask for Bill Payer's permission. One thing I would like to mention that I actually went back and sort of froze the, um, the YouTube clip is Otto meeting with Damon at Dragonstone. On the bridge. Mm. On the bridge, yes. which is a callback. They did that, they, and in, uh, I think it was episode two, they had a conflict there. Yeah. So there's obviously something, maybe delivering some terms, but yeah. surely Otto's not going to survive that. I mean, seeing what Damon can do with, with a, a sword. What would possibly protect Otto in that circumstance? Maybe Eamond. Or... Eamond is maybe with him, who is like Damon's like sort of, Minion. you know, yeah. 
brother from another, another cousin or yeah. whatever. You know, they're yeah. kind of similar, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. I think I think if he's gone there, he'll have brought some backup. But yeah, it just feels like I think normally the you know we talk at the start of the episode about like episode nine is usually really intense, episode ten is usually a bit quiet, but this feels like it's going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, and yeah, it it looks like it's just well, it's just setting up yeah. for war, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and Al, you're going to love this segue. Speaking of war, you've been a busy boy, haven't you, lately? Yes. You've been, you've been, you're now an author. Yes. You're now like a proper, a proper, talk us through Command, your, your book, which is out right now. Out right now. And it's called Command, How the Allies Learned to Win the Second World War. And because um, I do a history podcast about the Second World War called We Have Ways of Making You Talk with, with James right. Holland, who's a proper historian. And then there's me going, go on, tell me what happened to Alamein like that. And, um, <laughs> uh, and it's all incredibly interesting and it's bur- sort of burgeoned into this thing. And we did, we actually, we've done a festival. We did a festival last year, a festival this year with historians and tanks and stuff. And it's, it's been an amazing project to be involved in. Anyway, that led to this book. And the, the idea of the book is it's the progress of the second world war. I take 10 people to tell the story of how the British and Americans go from being essentially clueless at the start of the war to by the end of it, having this sort of incredible grinding war machine that destroys everything that's put in front of it. And, um, and so I got, and I've got famous people in it. So there's, there's, there's Monty and Patton in it. Um, and then I've got people no one's ever heard of like Alistair Pearson and Peter White, who are lower down the food chain and a couple of generals no one would have heard of as well. And it, and it's about like how you go from being really not knowing what to do at all and how the Germans and the Japanese get the jump on the British and then by the end of the war that, that it's all really, really like nailed down. But also what that means, what that yeah, yeah. means for people and what, what if you're an infantry platoon commander in 1945, what that actually means, what you have to do, what it's like and the, the fact that you live in an all the time you're living on the edge of death, the entire time. You could be killed any second. The guy next to you could die, or it could be you, and there's nothing that nothing that can uh, prevent that. There's no life and death on a razor edge the whole time. And so it's, I tried to convey all of that. I'm not an expert on war by any stretch of the imaginations, but, but yeah. is war, war tactics yes. have, have remained pretty, pretty similar throughout the many, many ages that we've been through, you know, we talk, we see wars in things like yeah. Game of Thrones. We see wars in, you know, right through, right through yeah. all of the wars, medieval, you know, the whole flanking, high ground flanking, psychological force. It's all, that's still what, you know, presumably, you know, there's stuff like that, that is still happening right now in Ukraine. It's, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, how, it, but, but it's always been about also then how you apply the technology you have, via those principles. So, you know, the battlefields are much more dispersed than they ever were. When you look at, you look at, you know, a thing like the Battle of Waterloo, which is like, I I think it's 150,000 people crammed in, crammed into sort of five fields, basically, all just smashing into each other until basically one, one army's destroyed or the other is. Now, you know, you, you, you look at, look at modern warfare, your people are much, much more dispersed. They're hidden. The whole point is to sort of, you know, not, not reveal what you're going to do. And I, 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 but yeah, essentially. And in the end, what it also comes down to is morale and you've got to keep people going and you've got to keep them engaged with what you're trying to do and how you do that. And, and the, 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 the interesting thing in the second world war is the, the British and the, uh, and the, their allies in the dominions in the empire and the Americans aren't dictatorships. So they don't have at their disposal the sort of levers of power that, that that their enemies did or that the Soviets did, where you could, you know, someone didn't do as you told, you'd shoot them. 
You know, as you British British and British and American armies and the Dominion armies weren't doing that, you couldn't do it because people had the vote. You know, that's the that's what's really that's the big change in the Second World War. Citizen soldiers, citizen armies. Amazing. Right, it's out now. Thank so you. go and go and get that. Presumably, have you have you done the audio book for it? Did you? I've did done you the audio book for it as well. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's, and it's you know it's in all it's good amazing. bookshops and uh, uh, and all that blah blah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Al, listen, thanks so much for joining us, mate. It's, it's been, been an pleasure. absolute pleasure and, and really, really enjoyed kind of chatting it with you. I'm so glad you're on board oh, for this so one as well. It's fantastic, though, know. isn't it? I mean, fucking oh, hell. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I can't even. I can't even begin. I don't even know what to expect from next week. I just think it's all. It's. I think we're just going to be left on an awful, awful yeah. cliffhanger. That's going to feel yeah. Yeah. like it. You know. So. I think it's just going to be a horrible cliffhanger because you just know that it's. It's going to be twenty twenty four. You know. It's going to be a long time. Well, and who knows who's going to? Who knows who's going to live or die? They've been very good with that. You know, yeah, yeah, they have, they have been very yeah. good with that, actually, yeah. Um, and and thank you to the book people as well for not not giving it away. I've, I've, mm. Remarkably unspoiled yeah. by the novel, uh, so which which is good. So. I think there's so little in the novel. You know, it's like an appendix of a fake history, so you don't really get what you got with Game of Thrones, where you had like people's perspectives on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think right. a lot okay. of stuff. You know, obviously there's there could be spoilers about what happens, but like it's so hard to kind of be. Yeah, like sort of to know exactly what happened because it's so up to interpretation yeah. in a way. Amazing. Well, this is it, gang. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Don't forget to like and subscribe and, and all that, Gibbons. Next week, as I said, we'll get, we'll have this really good, uh, cool giveaway that uh, HarperCollins have provided for us. Also, we'll go through like your plethora of kind of like emails and, and tweets and comments and stuff and try and answer as many questions as possible. But thanks for everyone that has been in touch. We really appreciate your support, especially if you joined us last week late after the after the Paddy interview. Feel free to go back and, and listen because there's still plenty, plenty to dissect from all of the earlier episodes. And thank you also for lots of suggestions about how we can keep Dragoncast going in the uh, what will be an, an, an excruciatingly long uh, break in between season one and season two of House of the Dragons. Lots of some really good ideas involving maybe picking up key episodes of, uh, of, of Game of Thrones, maybe go back and doing a, a read through of the books someone suggested as well, which was quite an interesting idea to idea. read a chapter of the books and go through that. So we're going to work out a way and hopefully by next week we'll have come up with an answer. But we're really pleased but that no you guys pressure. want us to keep going too. No pressure too. Yeah, if you're listening, producer Connell, get your fucking thinking cap on, son. Uh, until then, uh, until then, I feel I feel like I should end on end on a bit of an oath. So, um, in the words of uh, not Larry Strong, he's he's said and done enough. Uh, may the warrior give him courage. May the smith lend strength to his sword and shield. May the father defend him in his need, and may the crone lift her shining lamp and light his way to wisdom. Until next time, Dragoncast fans, Dracarys. Don't forget House of the Dragon airs exclusively on Sky Atlantic at 2am every Monday, then repeats that same evening at 10. You can also get it on demand via now. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. Dragoncast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel, produced by Connor Driscoll, edited by Buddy Peace, and is a Daft Doris production. Dracarys.